Hey, what's up, Georgia Bulldog fans and loyal podcast listeners? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 110 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Now, normally we have what we would like to refer to as a cold open, and we have one for this episode as well. Well, kind of. But I just wanted to provide some context first, mainly because of the audio quality of the following clip and for any new listeners who might have joined us for the first time. Mr. William F. Leach is our globe-trotting professional sports writer co-host, and he was not with us for the recording of this episode. Why? It's because he's covering the World Series for SportsOnEarth.com. So before we start this episode and the intro music, he sent in his prediction of the Georgia-Florida game from the very loud and, according to him, very hot Dodger Stadium press box. In this episode, Tony Waller and I break down the game, reminisce about Georgia-Florida games of the past, make national and SEC game picks, read podcast reviews, and give our own score prediction for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So a little unorthodox for this episode, but effective nonetheless. Let's hear what Will has to say, and then Tony and I will take over. So enjoy this preview podcast show, and thanks for tuning us in. Here's Will, live from Los Angeles, to get us started. I come to you live from Dodger Stadium. It is 100 freaking degrees, and I'm wearing a suit. I'm a modded wet soppiness but these are the things we do for love and for baseball florida georgia coming this weekend as always pretty much every year because i'm at the world series every year i watch this on the road i'll be watching this across the street from enron field now called minute Maid park though i am of the belief this should be forced to be called enron field forever i will be watching florida georgia just across the street from there i in an ordinary year i would be concerned that with a 3 30 start time and an eight o'clock start time for the baseball game that I could get late but I might have to miss the end of it of a close game I'm not worried about this this year Georgia's going to win 35 to 10 miss you guys hugs are you nervous about this week no I'm not I, I kind of feel the same way I did a couple weeks ago when we were facing Missouri and when I told the story about how I was sitting here watching it with my wife and a couple of her friends and they were freaking out and I was just, I couldn't explain it, but I knew that it would be okay. <laughs> I didn't know what the outcome was. Oh, you meant like during the first half. During the first half. You remember uh, I was yeah, texting oh, yeah, you're, you. Yeah, yeah, you were texting me to calm the blank down. Yeah, so no, I, I feel really good now. Look, I've been to many. I'm going to need you to queue some of those up for Saturday. Well, I've been to many Georgia-Florida weekends, you know, where you go down there on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And I think I've been probably seven times. And the only time I saw a victory was 1997. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> I've been there for more than that, but you know. And so I quit going. I mean, yeah. I went three years ago after we had won because I, I that was the my, 14 game. I made myself a promise. I said after they win two in a row, and I had kids, so I had to make it three in a row. So you know, we had won three in a row, and I was yeah. like, "We're going, boys. We're going. We're, we won't even miss Halloween." And so we drove down. That we got up bright and early that Saturday morning. Went by the Biscuit Barn in Arnoldsville. Got some biscuits, rode on down there, and then we, um, sorry about that, I'm getting some tweets. And we rode on down, and it was that day that it was literally 38 degrees and windy, 
And we, I told my boys who were a, a lot younger then, they were three years younger, do the math. Uh, I told them to keep their PJs on because they had to wear those underneath for the Long Johnson. Who would have thought that their first Georgia Florida experience would have been when it was 38 and windy? So I think we've recapped that on previous years past of this podcast, but uh, it was pretty pretty bad. Well, it's interesting you bring up 2014 because that's the that's the game a lot of people have talked about this week. But leading up to this game, I mean, Georgia came in. I want to say twelfth. Is it were, were they ranked twelfth? I think so. Um, Let me check my notes because I did make some. Did notes. you make the notes? Yeah, I was. Um, I was just about to look at that. No, but, you know what I wrote? I wrote that? 2014. Both wore home jerseys. Was that the first time? That was the first time they started wearing the home jerseys. I think we were ranked uh, ninth going into that game, actually. Yeah, the only loss had been to uh, a South Carolina team uh, on the road, a three-point South Carolina loss. Oh, um, was that the lightning-delayed game? It probably was. You know, but the thing about that, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the year we'd be Clemson at home the first game. Right. Um, yeah, Nick Chubb ran out of his shoe. Yeah, that's right. The thing about the same of that game isn't so much that you know we came in and we thought we were going to do all the stuff. It's that we came in and we just looked utterly inept at stopping the rush. Um, oh, Florida had like 418 yards 418 rushing. 418 yards rushing. Right. And this is a team that had, had gained 259 against Eastern Michigan. Uh, and that had been their season high. I don't think it was really Kelvin Taylor. I think it was his dad, Fred Taylor, who was in the jersey. Yeah, and I think I made him sick about 500 times. I mean, they only – I mean, it's just – we could not do anything that little outside. The field goal. They, yeah, that's right. We couldn't do anything with that little outside. They did run that little same little outside, almost like a counter tray or quick delay. Uh, a quick delay. Um, like a quick handoff um, there on the right side. He just – He's just every time he every time he touched the ball, I felt like he was running for for twenty yards. Um, and when you sit down, I guess we'll go right into a game. Um, By the way, Will is not here. Yeah, I guess I guess you'll you handled that in the intro. I did, um, but I, I wanted to yeah make sure people know. Uh, he's not busy getting another drink. We haven't muted him. He's not muzzled. So the thing that I keep coming back to with this, this game is that we are playing. Substantively better football than than at any time over the past ten years, probably or certainly since the end of twelve. Like 12. The end of twelve, and the thing that that makes me you know going back to the whole the, the Kirby feats of strength or test thing is that I've been saying for five weeks now that I will buy into this this thing that is uh, uh, becoming more and more apparent that's happening with Georgia right now um, after Florida. Right. And I will say right now, I'll take a one point win. I'll take an ugly one point win. A hundred percent will take it. But this is the game I think anybody who especially after the Faton bout to mess, that when you go back to December fifteen, this is the game that people would have circled and said, This is where we know how important it is, not just to Kirby, but whether or not the change and the coach has made a difference. Because we we, we all hoped, um, some were convinced way more than some of us. You think that sealed his fate? That was the... Well, I, if it wasn't a nail in the coffin, it certainly was handed the Undertaker yeah. hammer. We went down there. We The offensive looked not great, especially after Chubb went down. Um, and then you turn around and... You, you put in the quote-unquote running guy, and you run exactly the same offense. The Grayson Lambert offense. The Grayson Lambert offense. Yeah. After having an entire off week, 
you know, look, we talked about this last week. Uh, the first like special podcast we did was the uh, the Fatone Valdez starting podcast, and I, I please don't go back and listen because I'm sure it sounded terrible because. I was actually excited by that because I was excited about the possibilities of the offense. Now, of course, I found out later that later that afternoon that it was just folly that we were just going to run the same offense we'd always run. But that was the thing that made that made that. I don't think that was the the only reason, but I certainly think that made it easier to make that decision because um, it was at that point just really felt like Mark Rick was grasping his straws. I mean, it really did. It really well. Maybe he was. He I mean, about to transfer to Colorado State didn't really. He kind of flamed out up there as well. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really a D one quarterback. Well, it's not just he wasn't D one quarterback. It was but that, neither was Dave, Jacob Park. Right? <clears throat> well, I, well, yeah. Poor little out for Jacob Park. The the part about that was most frustrating to anybody that paid any attention though is that here is Faton Balta, who we'd heard all season. Well, you know, he's he didn't really fit our offense. Doesn't fit our offense. We have. An off week beforehand, and we just turn around and run the same offense with Faton Bauta. And frankly, the offense didn't fit him very well either. I mean, and and you know, we can we can make we can make all the derisive jokes about Grayson Lambert. Actually, the offense fit what he brought to the table really well because I think he would actually run this run pass option thing pretty well. Uh, now, now let's flash forward to this week where we're trying to figure out okay, what is our next step as far as evolution of a. Um, as far as the football program goes, now you're talking about, okay, can the coaches put together a game plan that really maximizes our strengths and allows us to do what we think we can do, which is manhandle an offense that's looked pretty stagnant and also move the ball against a defense that's actually built really well to, to, to stop the run and use a little bit of Jacob Fromm's talent to to open the open up the front seven with some passing. Yeah, and you're right, because open up the passing game is going to be key, even though... There's one Florida Gator who thinks that it's really not that big of a deal. The fact that Jacob from Jacob from now I'm doing it. It's Jake from the fact that Jake from is I think fifth. You're in the welcome. Nation You're welcome. Yeah, and pass efficiency. And uh, who is it? Chauncey Gardner was quoted. I love this quote. He was quoted earlier this week. Gave the Bulldogs a little bit of bulletin board material where he said, "Quote anybody can throw a slant." <laughs> and he followed that up. And I love this too. If he can beat us with his arm, whoop de doo. Chauncey Gardner actually said that. He, he threw in a whoop-de-doo. I didn't know that was a millennial thing. Or Are they millennials now? I think they're post-millennial, whatever it is. Post-mill- yeah, we'll come up with another, another name for it. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't really respect Jake from <clears throat> Amistad um, Jacob again. Yeah, I saw that quote, and I thought that was kind of a weird thing so to why, say. Why throw Just poking a bear, yeah. almost. Yeah. Look, and, and let, me, let me issue a plea to Georgia fans. We need to focus on the games in front of us and, and that sort of thing. And, and I realize that's bravado on the part of the Florida quarterback. And you're talking about a, a quarterback. I mean, you're talking about a Florida quarterback who, in all honesty, you know, they've lost two games in a row by one point, a game where the defense actually held them in the game. They're 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. They could easily be 1-5 and five yeah. or easily be 5-1. and one. Yeah, I think I think when you look at advanced stats, they they could call it just much closer to five and one. I mean, they lost a, a one point game to LSU, and then you know the one a two point game to Texas A and M, and it both both of those games were you know really defensive struggles where you know their offense just gave up on them. Um, they did put up points against Vanderbilt. They did put up some points against Kentucky and Tennessee. So we we know they can move the ball a little bit. But the thing I keep coming back to is. Was that when Del Rio was still playing quarterback, though? 
Um, yeah, I think Del Rio got hurt in the I want to say Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt game. Yeah. So, I mean, it is clear that they're a different different animal with Felipe Franks. They don't trust Franks in the same way they did Del Rio. I hate to say it this way, but you give any offensive coordinator, except for Brian Schottenheimer, two weeks, you maybe can incorporate some things that you feel like might work. And, and you know, look, Georgia's defense has been spectacular, and I'm not downplaying what the defense brings to the table. You know, it is almost pick your poison with a defense that is doing pretty much everything they want to do, save stop the big play on the pass, which is not what Florida's built to do right now. Well, don't you think they've had plenty of time to work out that deep pass inefficiency? And plus, we talked about it last week. We gave that quote about the button masher yeah. video game. Oh, yeah. You know, the word oh, yeah. jumped all over me because I didn't remember who wrote the article. Yeah. But Missouri just kind of got lucky. I guess you can say that when you have a top-rated defense. They got lucky on a couple of plays, and the scoring drive that Vanderbilt completed, Parrish fell down on the field. I mean, he sure. just doesn't yeah, happen yeah. every time. So yeah. I'm not especially worried about the deep pass. I, I know Franks is pretty good at throwing Hail Marys. Well, you know, when you sit down and look at, at what, if you were to say there's anything that remotely, it, there's a, an actual weakness in Georgia's defense, it is the secondary. Sure. Um, so if you're going to. If but you're, it's also a strength because you got Dominic Sanders, you got J.R. Reed, you got. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it does not, their offense still does not match up well with anything they, that, with our defense. I mean, it's strength on strength, and, and their strength isn't nearly what our strength is uh, as far right. as rushing defense goes. Right. Well, and just to kind of go through the numbers, Georgia's either a 13-point favorite or 14-and-a-half. Do you know which one it is? Uh, the last I saw was 14. 14? So, so I didn't, you know, somewhere yeah, in there. I saw that it had already moved up a point-and-a-half, so that tells you all the, the money's going on Georgia. Georgia is on an eight-game win streak. I think that's third longest in the country. We've kind of gone over that in the past. Georgia's also outgained and outrushed all opponents this year. Oh yeah. I mean, if you if you're if you're wanting to sit on the side of being worried because of the history and everything, look, DeAndre Swift doesn't care how many games Florida's beaten Georgia in a row and what's happened over the last 27 years. And neither does Lorenzo Carter. And you can start going down the line on the fact that we as fans, we freak out about the Falcons, we freak out about the history of Georgia Florida, the Braves only winning one World Series and however many times they they try to do it. But that's just what we as fans do. But the players, they aren't really keyed in on that. And Kirby has done a really good job on the off week of making it known about the fact that, yeah, you're ranked pretty high, but you've lost the last three to Florida. He's bringing up the recent history. Those players don't care about the 27-year history. Yeah, and the thing that is most interesting to me about this is that we, as fans, you know, we know, except for you drinking bourbon, we know this stuff is bunkum, right? I've I've long said that, you know, everybody's like, oh, we got to get that game out of Jacksonville, blah, blah, blah. And we can have that debate if you want, but... Jacksonville's not causing us to lose that game. Our own ability to go down there and pucker up is what's losing that game. And it's amazing to me that that, that happened on Mark Rick's watch too, considering, especially early in, his, early in his career, but and also later in his career, how often we played well in big games. And we still would go to Florida and just would like literally pucker up. It was, it was amazing. That reminds me, I brought... Not that I kind of came up with the stat, but I was looking at Wikipedia page. I don't know why I didn't go to Wikipedia. I think the Wikipedia readout, there's actually a world's largest outdoor cocktail party Wikipedia page. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it. Oh, you are? Yep. Well, the interesting thing is that in Georgia's losses forever, and this dates back to the 30s, the most points Georgia has ever scored, not counting the overtime, in a regulation game, it's 26 points. You mean uh, a loss, the most in points. In a loss, in a yeah. loss. And so if if Georgia's uh, – here's where I get worried, you know, because I said I was supremely confident. If Georgia 
is hanging around the 10-point mark or the 7-point mark at halftime, mm. maybe 13 in the third quarter, you can start worrying about it because that's kind of the tell for a Georgia loss coming along the road because the only outlier is that Aaron Murray overtime loss when it was 34-31. And then all the others, if you look down the, the board, every time Georgia's lost in Jacksonville, they've scored 13, 20, 17, 10, 0, 3. When you look back at these scores, I, I can, I'm starting to look here. I was counting up how many games I have actually been to in to Georgia-Florida games. So let's see, one, um, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Well, I have to speed this up. Yeah, you should. For fourteen games, it's amazing to me how many times I've gone down there and seen us struggle offensively. Look, is our defense good enough for us to win a 10-7 game? Mm-hmm. 100%. We're good enough to win a 10-7 game where, I mean, they basically score a touchdown under a minute just to make it interesting, right? But that doesn't feel like our offense, getting back to our offense either. Because the way we played football this season is that even it hasn't been close, we also haven't felt like we've really poured the coals to it offensively until the third quarter. And we get a third quarter – and we have any sort of lead, I mean, it's going to feel like – and we're going to feel like we're home. I'm not going to feel that way, but it's going to feel like we're home because it's, going to, it's really hard for, us to fathom, for me to fathom a situation where Georgia gives up a big lead. Not this year. Not this year. And not against this team. Oh, certainly not against this team. Certainly not against this team. No. And I know our offensive line is substantively better than it was last year, but Nick Chubb only had 20 yards on nine carries last year. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's, personally, he struggled in 2014 when he was healthy. You take out the whole 27 years thing. I mean, we keep bringing it up, but sure, it's six and 21 in 27 years, but you got to look at it three and three in the last six. You know, I guess if you wanted to get some similarities, we talked about 2014. Georgia was an 11.5 favorite, 11.5 point favorite. But yet, the Gators, I think they were 3-3 three and three going into that game, and they finished the season 7-5. and five. You can crunch stats all you want, but those players in the past are not playing this game. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, the thing that, makes, that gives me um, the most hope is that Cheney really feels like he is feeling more and more comfortable with the toys he has to play with offensively. And I'm not convinced we've seen everything out of this offense yet. You think either. they're holding stuff back? Even I, you know, I feel like there's we probably used to say that with Donovan when he was coach. Oh, he's just holding stuff. Well, back. I mean, I think he's. I think. I think. I mean, he has incorporated little twists and turns throughout so the season, what, right? Okay. Okay. Now that you bring that up, so what if you were in Jim Cheney's uh, office, sitting down talking shop with him? What do you think he would tell you? Like, hey, Tony, I've got these three formations. Or plays, or you know, what do you think he's going to throw out there? If he did, just for a little fun, you know, right. no, you know, maybe the fake flea flicker like uh, Rutgers ran against Purdue. Yeah, it wouldn't, Purdue. that wouldn't surprise me. That would be amazing. I don't think we'll run the fake flea flicker where we don't send any receivers out like Tennessee did. Um, I, I, there are a couple of times where I've seen us run some things. We haven't run any many pistol formations. Um, that seemed to work really well last year with Eason running the ball in the pistol, specifically with Sony Michelle. The other thing that wouldn't surprise me in the least, and we not, may not say against Florida, but I'm convinced we will see it some this season, is somebody throwing the ball out of the wild dog. Um, mm, yeah, because uh, Gurley was the last one that did that. Right, Gurley was the last one to do that. Uh, and That's we also everybody found out he was left-handed. Right. <laughs> what? There's also a formation we run where basically it doesn't start out as a jumbo package, but ends up looking like a jumbo package where we shift the H back, the tight end, and then usually a slot receiver in tight 
from one end of the line, usually from the field to the boundary. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if we run some sort of you know misdirection, whether it be a, dull, a reverse or something, where you we basically have another receiver way out to the outside where you know, the play goes one direction and it's a you know one of those little behind the line toss to a reverse and they could reverse or some sort um, because every time we've seen that play run, it's run right behind those three guys. And the last time we ran it uh, against Missouri. That was the play that Sony Michelle got stopped pretty quick. And my, I remember thinking, I said, like, why are we running this if, if we're just basically saying, pointing to the point in the line where we're going to run because it allows a red key in that spot. So I have to think there's some something there that Cheney's setting up for a play later in the season. Um, the other thing that, to watch out for, though, is Jack Fromm's getting, starting to look off safeties. Um, he does that. He becomes super dangerous because he has enough he has enough weapons as disposal that if he's able to look off a safety or a middle linebacker and to free up the slot receiver in the middle or Blazevich or even like he did uh, with Wims out on the left side, that becomes that much harder to defend, especially when you're looking – if you're you're looking at, at man coverage, which I have to suspect Florida will probably start out in. Yeah, could you imagine the fact that he's gotten so comfortable with Wims and Goddard yeah. on the outside to look them off and actually maybe get Nauta down the seam on a hot route? Or right. Like you said, Blazevich is <clears> – <throat> He's just out there, glorified blocker right now. And credit to him, you don't you see him getting excited when everybody's scoring. You, you, it's all it's almost funny to me. Like Chubb will score a touchdown or Sony or or Swift, and I'm like, wow, Blazevich is in that on that play. He's just kind of the forgotten man, um, along with Nauda. I mean, the tight ends, uh, other than Charlie Warner's uh, galloping leap down the sideline against Missouri, I hadn't even seen him do anything before. Yeah, and the touchdown pass, I want to say Harris had it, uh, Jackson, yeah, Jackson Harris, Harris. had. Um, I went back and looked at that play. The wheel route to Christian Payne was wide open, too. I love me a wheel route. I love a wheel well, route. And Christian Payne was kind of our saving grace a couple times last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Against Missouri, he yep. caught about five or six balls, and he scored a touchdown, I think. So, yeah, I think those are some interesting um, nuggets for offense. What about uh, defensively speaking? You think they're just going to keep running the same – I think that I mean Mel Tucker's done a phenomenal job, and and it's also fun to me uh, when seeing the replay on TV how involved Kirby is over in that defensive huddle, uh, coaching him up, so to speak. Even the the head coach the of the team getting over there and doing what he does best and coaching defense along with Mel Tucker. Yeah, I have to think at some point uh, we're going to become a little more um, aggressive, uh, blitzing with. I mean. You have to think that it, it's going to pay off a little bit with it to, to blitz Franks on, on obvious passing downs. I mean, Florida hasn't looked fantastic on passing downs, and Franks, although Franks, they've done a good job of managing his managing his production. He doesn't have a terrible number of interceptions, three for 106 passes thrown. I mean, he's he's completing 64 percent of his passes, uh, but they are not good going deep. That's that's exactly where I was going. So many of his passes are quick dump offs. So if you're going to put him under pressure, you have to bring pressure from the from the behind uh, on the edge and just like it really just a jet. Uh, almost the, the the thing that that Eason fumbled on actually. You know, you jet a guy that's supposed to be cover on the right uh, right side of the defense and jet him off. So you're talking about a Malcolm Parrish or DeAndre Baker. But it also is an opportunity, looks to me, if you think about what the, the passing that they have done, Florida has done, it looks like a great opportunity for some interceptions for Roquan or, or even Carter, who is supposed to be back 
So, well, and it's interesting you say that because Felipe Franks is kind of living on, you know, kind of either the dump off behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards. That's really where the majority of his completion percentage is, is going to happen. And so maybe you put Roquan as a spy, kind of like how he was on Wimbush earlier this year, because Franks is a threat to run at times. Mm-hmm. He's thrown a couple picks just right off the line of scrimmage, but he's five for 20 when he goes over 20 yards. I mean, I guess one of those fives is a Hail Mary that went about 60 yards. He's got an arm on him, but his uh, completion percentage is about 25%. And it falls off to less than 50% after 10 yards as well. So, like you said, he hasn't thrown many picks, but he's really just keeping it safe by throwing little 10-yard outs and and slants. Yeah, and and the advanced stats bear that out. If you look at their passing S&P, Florida's passing S&P, they're um, 36th in the nation, which is, you know, Sounds right when you see a cornerback with more uh, touchdown passes than interceptions and a high completion percentage. Their passing success rate, they're 103rd in the nation. Um, and then their passing ISOPP, which is basically explosive plays, is really low too, 74th or 5th in the nation. The thing that it just occurred to me, and I didn't even think about this when we were talking about uh, Fromm, and I don't want to go back to, to talking about that, their defensive passing ISO PPP, which is basically a, a measure of how explosive their defense is, or how their defenses are preventing explosive pass plays, 106th in the nation. So there are some deep passing opportunities there for Georgia if they if they want them. Rushing the ball and well, rushing and passing, they're both they're right around a thousand yards of both. They're fairly balanced. It would be surprising to me, considering what Nussmeyer wants to run offensively, if they were to turn around and really, really rely heavily. Although I guess if they get a guy that breaks out for 287 yards. Yeah, they're going to run him all day. Uh, and you know what? I would too. Yeah. Again, Callaway and Scarlett, they're yeah. big time contributors. Last year are not even remotely anywhere close to Gainesville, probably now because they've been suspended uh, for some allegedly some credit card malfeasance. <laughs> um, so I got a question for you. Yes. Georgia has really uh, been the road dogs this year. When you know you, you read out Sanford, or read out Sanford, of course you do. You read out Vanderbilt. Yeah. You read out uh, Notre Dame Stadium. If you were the flying the blimp over the cocktail party this Saturday, and it holds what seventy thousand, seventy five thousand people. I think it's eighty three or thereabouts. We'll go with eighty three. Yeah. I can't do the math as easily on dividing that, but. What do you think percent is it going to be an even 50-50 or have Florida fans kind of sold some of the tickets and are we going to see more of a 60-40 split maybe 70-30? Well, it's interesting you asked that question. I was going to go to StubHub right now and let's see what it looks like because what I heard earlier in the week is there were a ton of tickets for sale on the Florida side and that prices were falling. There's tickets available on the Georgia side. Oh, they're still at the 350 range for Club six fifty for field level six fifty yeah for a ticket yeah yeah okay so this will tell you what you need to know if you go to the Georgia sideline three forty nine there's ten tickets available in that that section about the thirty five yard line right off the field the same section over in Florida one seventy five you can get in the club over in Florida for two thirty nine so you can get the upper deck for face value. Uh, on the Georgia side, face value about the cheapest you can find is 100, which is uh, some above, about 30 above face value. Right. Florida fans are dumping their tickets. Yeah. So you're thinking maybe at least 60 40. 
Oh, I think it could be 60-40. Yeah, I think I think what you'll traditionally, see— traditionally, it really is split right down the middle. Yeah, even with both teams, even even when one team—I mean, 14 was split right down the middle, right? Um, it, that's the way that's the way you you remember seeing it right so Absolutely. um the good news for georgia is we're sitting on the warmer side of the stadium uh we have the sun it's in our face cold. who knows it's jacksonville it could be it uh, well. right so uh, right now it's looking like it's going to be it's going to be cold in the, here in the 70s I think the low is going to be like 34 on saturday or sunday isn't i have to cover yeah. my tomatoes so uh, that's not a metaphor y'all um the yeah i think it's gonna be nice so and then one of the things i want to talk about is you know, the reason, one of the reasons I go to Georgia, Florida is this is the closest thing to a bowl game that we have in the regular season. And look, I love the Georgia, Florida game. And a lot of people are like, oh, there's, there's rivalry state, there's rivalry teams and NFL stadiums that are killing college football. I don't disagree with like the one off games. Like, I don't like the Chick fil A game. I mean, I'll go over there, but I don't like it. Um, like the thing in Jerry World, I don't care for. The game in Houston, I don't care for. The game in Orlando, I don't care for. I understand why they do them, but those games, if you're going to play those games, let's do a. I guess there's a way of putting those teams together, but let's, I don't know. But the thing I love about Georgia, Florida, and, and I'll be perfectly honest about this, it's such a great, great time. It's such a great scene. I've never gone down there and really had a bad time, even walking out of there after getting tromped and, you know, what. Some twenty-year-old dude with a sixteen-year-old girlfriend talking about you know, you know, hazing some some eight-year-old kid. Yeah, you know, I'm sure I've told the story, but no, we we were heading out one of Greenie's years, uh, David Green's years, and kid like eight-year-old, like Walker's age, was wearing uh, a green jersey, and this kid, this dude was like scruffy beard. 20 years old was like ah wearing a loser's jersey and his, the kid's dad was like look man just move along all right there's no need to be that way toward, towards a kid i was like ah, blah blah and then his girlfriend was like like come on daddy said i had to be home by 10 straight up i swear to god it happened exactly that way i was like dude you were you're dating someone only that has to be home by 10 and you are like dropping f-bombs on an eight-year-old it's just like all i could think of was you're such a bad person you're really just a bad person. And um, that's why I hate Florida fans so much. I'll be honest. Um, I, have, I have found there are redeeming Florida fans. Don't take me to task about that. I'm just making an observation. I'm just making an observation yeah. about Florida fans. Generally, they're not much to be redeemed. They're not redeemable, although I do know some. Right. No, I think that's a that's a good point. And, you know, there's stories all around. I've, I have a couple. Um, one of my – you know, one thing I was going to ask you – Game notwithstanding, because like I said, I've seen one victory. What is your best Florida experience, whether it be the weekend or the game, uh, the year, you know, kind of what happened? Um, So probably my best uh, George Florida experience would have been, I want to say 13 maybe, maybe 12 or 13. Uh, The first year I tailgated. So I got invited to go tailgate with – some guy's dog fan, 1980, who is an avid listener. So, you know, I'd always done, we'd always done our own thing. And I'd gone down there and have fun. And, you know, you tailgate in the parking lots are a little, it can be hit or miss because you might be right next to a Porta John. You could be in the sun. You could be on the dirt. You could be in the middle of the asphalt jungle. So, you know, we start participating in this tailgate. It's really, really a good time. He does a great job. And uh, so we win, we come back, and I end up on top of the UGA party bus leading cheers uh, on the microphone. That was that was pretty much that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, kind of the pinnacle to me, uh, just because it was so much fun that day. And it's like they well, that was a victory too. It was a victory. So like, you know, literally, I had to. They I think 
I think they had to send my father over to drag me off the top so we could go home or something else. I, I think I swore I was never going to leave Jacksonville ever again. I think there were some things said that, that, that couldn't be taken back. I don't know. Well, I, my, mine easily is 1997. Yeah. One victory. Um, went down with my fraternity brothers. I was a Sigma Chi at Georgia. And so that was kind of, that was my third year at Georgia. So that was my first junior year, I guess you could say. I was a redshirt junior. Redshirt junior. Yep. I was a redshirt junior. And so if you think back, I mean, anybody that's listened to this podcast that was in a fraternity, once you hit your junior year, that was kind of the sweet spot. Because it was right before people started graduating, so all your buddies were there. You'd been with them for three years, and we decided a road trip down to Georgia, Florida. We had a great tailgate, and obviously we were 20-point underdogs. And mm-hmm. what do you know? They throw out Doug Johnson and Noah Brindice and Kirby Smart's picking off passes, and Robert Edwards is running for touchdowns and Heinz Ward. And uh, I think there was actually a moment where a couple of guys, not, not my fraternity brothers, but a couple of guys, we were in the... But they were makeshift bleachers back then. Yeah. And they literally shook. I mean, you, you were wondering about the the build structure of, the, of those. That would have been the second year in Everbank, right? Uh, yeah, because they redid it. All, all, yeah. It's called Altel Stadium at the time, I yeah. think. So, yeah, we saw a couple other uh, fraternity guys. Uh, they were probably, uh, I don't know, betas or maybe teaks or something. I don't know. One or two of them rushed the field. That sounds right. Yeah. And uh, you see what happened to him. And so that kind of stopped all of uh, my friends trying to do that. <laughs> we, we actually had some reason. I think I was, I was, yeah, I was 20 years old back then. No, it was 21. What yeah. year was it Goldberg led the team? With that was 98, right? Or that 99? was close after because it's like we were, we were feeling our power of that 20 point win. And then we go on and lose like four or five more in a row. But yeah, Goldberg let him out. And that was the year that they wore the black pants and the red tops, which is not a great look. I I don't mean to get on a, a but you did mean to get on tangent. You did actually, but Uh, I I don't have any notes prepared. This is all strictly from memory. Um, Sure. Best uniform combination. That's not, the black jerseys worn at home because I think that looks real good. The black jerseys with the red helmets. And yes, I know it's not done enough in my opinion. I thought they should have done it in Missouri, but I digress. The best uniform combination on the road is the white tops with the black pants. You think so? I think it looks really good. Uh, they wore it in the 1998 uh, Outback Bowl when we beat right. Ron Dane in Wisconsin. Mike yep. Bobo set the record that Grayson Lambert eventually broke. Right. That's It's a really good look, and they wore that one year down in Georgia, Florida. I think that's only the second time. I think they've only been worn that combination twice. Once was in that bowl game, the Outback, and then once was some year down in Jacksonville. The worst combination with the Boise State game notwithstanding. It was that's, a night pro that's combat. That's the all-time worst. Yes. That's the all-time worst. Yes. But was when, all I remember was uh, Washon Ely's, one of his years, when they came out in the black helmets. Joe Cox was quarterback, so that yes. was what, 10? I think that was lost at Oklahoma State. I think that was the Joe Cox uh, miracle year. Yeah, so they were wearing the black helmets. I have no idea what happened. There was no... There was not even a leak. I guess this was kind of pre-Twitter or pre-really. Uh, I mean, the, the internet was around, but there just wasn't any of these sports sites. But yeah, they show up in these black helmets. I mean, it looked like Grambling out there with the. It's, all they needed was like a yellow face mask, and it would have been uh, the Grambling. What are they? The Bulldogs? Yes, that would have been 09. So uh, was um, it 09? Yeah, yeah. Terrible look. Terrible look. I'm glad that they wear the home and home. Jerseys, you know, Florida's going to wear blue and Georgia will wear red. I would like on one of these future years 
What no, it don't, say it. don't say it. Don't do it, Scott. To wear red don't do it, Scott. In Florida to wear orange. I think that would be really cool because, you know, oh, hey, God. go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you were going to say black and orange. No, I did. Oh, you said red. Georgia. No, no, no. Did I? Yes. Oh, that was a Freudian slip. No, that was, that was God correcting Georgia, your tongue. <laughs> Georgia wearing black jerseys. No, please. Florida wearing orange. I think they did. Uh, I'm, I'm asking CBS to never let this happen. I think Tennessee and South Carolina did that a couple years ago. That doesn't surprise me. That sounds like something <laughs> they would do. God almighty. So God. Is, is, that all, is that all for the uniform talk? I guess I just killed this podcast. Uh, there's, there's probably three or four people that are like, yeah, preach it, Scott. Yeah. You're right. Um, I don't I think that's probably uh, that's a good sample. People. That's a good sample. Good that's sample size. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into the uh, picks? Yeah. So the I mean, game, I mean, I, get in the picks. Well, picks. a couple of th- a couple of other little things. The South Carolina game is going to be at three thirty. Um, that's a good thing. It continues to be amazing to me that we haven't played a noon game yet outside of the Vander game. All at the beginning of the season, when we right. saw the home schedule, like, right. it really has. I mean, think about it. It's turned out to be a really great home schedule. We got a ranked Mississippi State team that came yep. in. South Carolina is going to be loaded for bear. Yeah. I mean, whether they win or lose this weekend, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, if we look, we in knock on wood, if we beat Florida, they are eliminated from the SEC East. Period. And with Kentucky's loss last week to Mississippi State. So, yeah, so the way it stands right now, Kentucky, Florida, and um, let me make sure I got the standings right. Hold on. Kentucky, this Florida, is, South Carolina. This is good. This is good podcasting. Sorry, you think if I'd start down this thread. I know Kentucky only has two losses. South Carolina only has two losses. Uh, let me make sure I have the Florida standings right before I start talking about them. They've got two losses because they've, they've got three, but one was to Michigan. Okay, so they have two. Then I, then I didn't have it right. If we beat Florida, we will have five wins. The best they can finish will be five and three, which means we will have um, – The head-to-head. The head-to-head. So they will them. be eliminated. They will be – they cannot win. So, yeah, so right now the conference standings are Georgia 4-0, South Carolina 3-2, Florida 3-2, Kentucky 2-2, two two, Tennessee 0-4, Vanderbilt 0-4, Missouri 0-4. They're, they're all eliminated. So if you beat, you beat Florida, they're eliminated, and it's down to a head-and-head Georgia versus South Carolina, Georgia versus Kentucky. That's right. That South Carolina game looms ever larger, right? Because you can – then you – I mean, essentially Georgia could go through and eliminate all of their – in, in in three weeks. Well, I guess Kentucky. We don't play Kentucky until the weekend before Tech this year because of the vagaries of the schedule. But um, the thing that's interesting to me about that that South Carolina game, we were Wayne and I were talking about that walking out of the um, the game a couple weeks ago, the Missouri game. It's like where they. I said, I think it's gonna be a three thirty game. So you really think so? I said, yeah. Well, it's the eight it's o'clock. A it's an eight o'clock three thirty doubleheader, Who's which the means o'clock? LSU Alabama, uh, which means they get. CBS picks first, then ESPN and CBS work together for their national games. Um, the national games being the three thirty, and um, whether it be noon or um, whether it be noon or the the later game. Um, so I, I said, I, I think we end up three thirty. It the only way is ESPN like really. It's like we we want Georgia to play the national game. And you kind of wonder if it might be a three thirty game the following week against Auburn. Yeah, that's right. But but what happened was is they ended up putting Auburn, Texas, uh, A&M as the national game at noon, which is actually fine with me. <laughs> right. Um, so, but, you know, I, I've long thought the Auburn game – see, the, the, the November the 11th weekend is the noon 3.30 doubleheader. Um, and that weekend has some interesting games in it. And this is – by the way, for folks that are like, what are you talking about with all this um, 
like the, the schedule stuff. This is kind of, I love doing this. This is my fun. I mean, if you've ever followed me on the George Sports blog, you know that I pick out, I do the, I do like preseason projections of where we're going to be, um, where we're going to play, and even the network. Well, it, since it is the second uh, doubleheader game, that November 11th game, yeah. Being the road game or being the road team, Oh, I'm I'm fine with this being noon. I'm fine with that game being noon. And before everybody gets upset at me about having to go over there, we want that game to be noon. That's the best possible situation. So there's some pretty decent games that weekend. Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State. Before you start with Mississippi State, I still think they're going to be pretty good. Tennessee, Missouri is going to be awful. Florida, South Carolina, um, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. So... And Arkansas LSU. There's nothing about that week that makes me think that we won't be a 3:30 game. That sounds like right. I mean, because you're what you're probably dealing with is a team that is leading the East and a team that still has a, a still controls their destiny in the West essentially. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. that's three straight CBS 3:30 games. Yeah, it'll be three straight CBS 3:30 games. Um, that's exactly right. And there's no way that last week on the um, that that we end up at 3:30. That is 100 percent going to be. Um, yeah, we're playing three thirty. I forgot that's the uh, that's the weekend. That's the cupcake weekend. Oh, you mean when we play Kentucky? Yeah, there's only three. Uh-huh. There's to see the. Let's see. Mercer plays Alabama. Kentucky plays at Georgia. Yale Monroe plays at Auburn. LSU is at Tennessee. That could be three thirty. Mississippi State is at Arkansas. UAB is at Florida. Texas A and M is at Ole Miss. Wofford's at South Carolina. Missouri is at Vanderbilt. If Ole Miss keeps winning, like. Scoring 35, 35 to 50 points on teams. It's possible CBS puts that just for the sheer, like, let's see how many points. Let's see if this beats over in the first half. Well, Ole Miss's quarterback is out. Shea Patterson got hurt? He's out for the year. I had no idea. Yeah. Strike that. No chance yeah. it happens. Um, so, yeah, we're playing at 3.30 again, y'all. Oh, well, though, are we allowed to play at 3.30? I don't know. I have to go back and look at the rules. There's a rule about how many times you can play at 3.30 in, the week, in, in one season. Oh. So, But if, the, if we can't play at 3.30 – Buckle up, guys. Another night game. ESPN national game. I guarantee it. All right. So let's predict. Let's let's not get the cart before the horse. Let's predict what you think the score will be for Georgia, Florida. Are we going to do Georgia, Florida last? Are we going to do our fun office pools? I don't know. Now you're throwing me off. We need Will here. Right. It's Will's. Kind of yeah. Will's our. Will's. Will's our steady. How does it, it feel? It feels different without Will because I can't like go off into La La Land and not pay attention. For yeah. You. Team. I mean, you. You haven't had a chance to look at your videos at all, no. which is very important to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, funofficepools.com. Uh, we haven't checked a leaderboard. Yeah, you should talk about the leaderboard because I haven't. Is it any really good? Looked. I haven't looked. You haven't looked, and my internet is down. Uh, that means my internet's down. Working. Well, while you while you look at that, you know, one other thing to think about, and before we get too called up, there. Um, like everybody, I, I've heard it from a couple of people. I don't understand why Penn State's ranked ahead of Georgia. I understand why they're ranked ahead of Georgia. They beat a pretty good Michigan uh, team. They're going to play Ohio State this week, which is a probable elimination an elimination game for one of those two teams, right? Uh, and then they have Michigan State next week. That Georgia right now, and I, and I said Notre Dame was going to be good this year. I said Notre Dame would play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, they don't lose. They're going to make the playoffs. But having said all of that, Georgia right now still has the best win on the college football season, Absolutely. that win at Notre Dame. Um, Penn State goes into, ha- uh, it goes into the horseshoe and beats Ohio State. That goes away. Yeah. All right. So top standings uh, we, through week nine. Um, Spartans 100. 
Leads the way with 597 points, a record of 79 and 23. That's pretty good. That's impressive. That is impressive. Um, Polar, followed by Polar Shark. They're up. Whoever Polar Shark is is up there every year at yeah. the very top. Yeah, it, it's kind of amazing. You need um, to gamble. Yeah, yeah. Whoever, maybe, maybe they live in Tunica or somewhere. Do Reno. they gamble there? Reno. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's you know go where with you that. Are? On this? Me, I was somewhere in the 60s. I don't know. 60s, let's see. Um, Tyler Dogden, 63. Yeah. 74 and 28 record. You are you have 554 points. You're only, what, 50 points away or off the lead. I'm somewhere in the hundreds. Uh, I'm 147 uh, with a 63 and 39 record. It's pretty terrible. Um, I can't find... Will, Will's on the next page. A Will. Uh, Will. I think it's Mattoon Greenwave. Mattoon, sorry. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to keep looking. Yeah, let's assume he's 144. He's, he's in last between us. So we're going to go through our picks this week. I have not put them in any order. So uh, we're going to start off with the Friday game, Florida State at Boston College. I'm really torn about this, right? Who, who's favored and, and what's the spread? I'm going to say Boston Co- – no. Florida State's favored by only two points. Three and a half. I'm a fish off the Jimbo Fisher train. Give me Boston College. I, I, Florida State can't lose. I mean, it's in. It's in. They Boston. have. <laughs> it's in Boston. You might want to check the weather on that. Um, did their? I think their quarterback might have gotten injured. Florida State's other one on the last play of the game. Similar. <sighs> he was all right because Jimbo was kind of patting him on the back. But yeah, he got he got walloped. Jimbo also went off on a fan in the stadium. Did you see that? It's it's, it's coming apart. Yeah, it, yeah. It uh-huh. Our friend Matthew Leach has. Hey, he's 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 been pretty salty on the book face about Florida State. All right, uh, 26.5-point spread to Wisconsin. They face Illinois, and they're in Champaign. Do I get to do the Illinois minute? Will is 2-5. and five. We, do not need to, we do not need a whole minute for Illinois. Take Bucky Badger. Yeah, I'm going to take the Badgers as well. Uh, ranked opponents, it's, it's Big 12. Uh, it's crazy. Oklahoma State <laughs> at West Virginia. Dude, that's like, like a 6-versus-13 game. Try 11-22. Well, it's, uh, yeah, same, same difference. He's just rounded. Um, I think the Mike Gundy mullet wins this game, but yeah. it's going to be really fun. Versus uh, the Holgerson. Holgerson hair wisp. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear. I'm jealous of anybody that has hair, period. So, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State as well. They uh, they struggled last week. In well, we haven't been doing will picks. we got to do some will oh, picks. Yeah, so Will will pick Florida State. Yes. He will also pick Wisconsin because yes. he's over Illinois. Um He'll pick Oklahoma State because he doesn't know enough about West Virginia. You think so? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll go with this uh, so, this time. Yeah, Will's caught up now as well. Big game, North Carolina State at Notre Dame. North Carolina State's ranked 14th. They, someone, I think it was last week, Will said they were, it was similar to that North Carolina uh, season a couple of years ago where they lose to South Carolina and then win 10 in a row. That's kind of how That's what NC State. State's doing right now. Yeah. That's that's it's that's really the crazy thing. So do we thing. want as Georgia fans, do we want North Notre Dame to win or does that because I've been reading some stuff that if, you know, Look, I, I the way I view it is this, is that we control our destiny. So you don't it doesn't matter what We went out, we go to the playoffs. Right. Period. I will worry about that if we don't win out. Uh, I I don't necessarily agree with Will that if we lose and we if we go to the SEC championship at twelve and zero and then lose to Alabama that there is a at least fifty percent possibility they put a Notre Dame team in that lost to us with only one loss in because and is is all about TV at that point. But having said all of that, if we want 
them to lose. This is one of the games we want to lose because NC State looks like a pretty decent team. We do not want them losing to a three and five Navy. Right. Right. Navy's not three and five. Whatever they are. Navy's, I think, five and two. Whatever it is, we don't want them losing okay. to, to. We don't want them losing to a team that is um, that has a, a tough record. Right. Having said that, is this game in South Bend or in Raleigh? South Bend, I just can't see NC State win this game. Now, and River, I, I said at the beginning of the season, NC State's also going to be a surprise team, but I, I can't imagine them winning it this game. It off the same time that Georgia Florida does. Yeah, well, I, I will not be caring about this game. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I think Notre Dame wins as well. Uh, Penn State goes to Ohio State. I mean, wow, what a matchup that is. Ohio State's favored by about a touchdown. Seven and over, six and one. Uh, oh, by the way. Somebody tweeted this out. Sorry, I don't know who did it. Um, Saquon Barkley played against Georgia in the Citrus Bowl. Yes, he did. A couple years ago. I think he had 67 yards on 19 carries. Yeah, that sounds right. As a freshman. So yeah. Just- so here is – I saw that. Game. And it wasn't a Citrus Bowl. It was the Tax Player Bowl in Jackson, in Jackson Vegas. Um, here's where I am on this game. Um, I long thought Penn State was going to win the Big Ten – I did not think they were going to go undefeated and do it, but it sure looks like that if they're going to go, if they're going to win the Big Ten, they're going to have to beat Ohio State this week. So I'm going to pick Penn State. I don't do it at all with a, a happy heart. I do not do it because I like Jimmy Franklin, but I sure like Jimmy Franklin more than I like Nicholas Saban. Oh, I thought you were I'm sorry, Nicholas. Uh, I'm sorry, St. Urban. Okay. I'm sorry. I view them as the same person, except for uh, Nick, Nick Saban doesn't have time to eat pizza. Nick Saban is far more likable than Urban Meyer. Also, Urban Meyer eats sad pizza. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with Ohio State as well. And Will's going to go with Ohio State, right? Oh, yeah, we forgot. Who would, who would Will pick between North Carolina State and Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Yeah, he would. Uh, TCU at Iowa State. Iowa State is ranked number 25. Dude, they're 5 and 2. They are. And TCU is undefeated. Another undefeated team going into on the road. Tough spot. TCU is favored by about a touchdown. Iowa State is a very weird place to play on a Saturday night. Are they playing at night? Afternoon. What time is it? 2.30 local time. Oh, you're getting better at this. Nice. Um, I'm still picking TCU. Yeah, I think TCU's on a roll. And it's Iowa State, and they're playing what Will said, a linebacker at quarterback? Uh, I think that's right. Something like that. Will picks Iowa State because he likes linebackers at quarterback. Is that who he picks? I think he does. Okay. Um, cool game. Hey, if they want to play this, I, you know, <laughs> this is cool. Missouri travels to Connecticut. I mean, that makes they played Idaho last week. They're what? Connecticut this Are week. they really playing at UConn? They're playing at UConn. Shame on the athletic director for scheduling that game. I don't care if you get two. What in the hell? What's the what's what's the record of UConn? Three and four. That's that uh, old Georgia Tech assistant coach Randy Edsel, coaching that. Wow. What do you think? I think uh, Missouri looks pretty good on offense, and I think that they win probably pretty easily. They're favored what, by eleven and a half. Click on click on UConn and let's see what they've done. As you can tell, I kind of want to pick UConn this game. They they beat Holy Cross. They lost to Virginia. Lost to East Carolina. Lost to SMU. Is SMU still a thing? Yeah, but they are now. Uh, they lost to Memphis, <laughs> seventy to thirty one. Um, they beat Temple and beat Tulsa, so they're on a two game win streak. And they have South Florida next week. UConn does. Yes. Oh, that's a look ahead game. Missouri wins. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Missouri wins that as well. <laughs> 
Is uh, that the Psycon Trophy or Socon Trophy or it's, something? It's a. It's just a bad job on on the eighties. Oh God! Level. I need to Google that. And why? why come on, come on, Missouri! Don't season. give. See, Missouri's giving Scott some ammunition to get him out of the SEC. They're trying hard. Yeah. We'll pick. We'll pick Yukon. Yeah. Uh, no, he picked Missouri. Yeah, pick Missouri. Uh, Arkansas at Mississippi. This is the point where we'll like. By the way, by the way, Missouri played Kansas in basketball for the first time in several years in an exhibition game. I don't know what that means. Will would say that. Okay, what? This is a crazy game. This is the game that always. It seems like Arkansas when they play Texas A&M, it's a crazy game. When they play Ole Miss, it's a crazy game because this is the one where they threw the backwards pass that bounced. And, yeah, seventeen. Uh, oh wow, this game has all that? kinds of. Um, Where's this game? Is this Jerry it's World? It's in Oxford. Oh, it's in Oxford. Wow. I, I mean, I think, I think Ole Miss has it. I, a backup quarterback, whatever. Arkansas is a lost vessel. I, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Arkansas here. Um, I don't know why. It just feels like the right thing to do. Support my man Burt. We we fatties got to stay together. All right, uh, Mississippi State A and M. Will picks Ole Miss, but he would say University of Mississippi. He would. He yes. Would. Ole Miss who? I mean, who? Mississippi State A&M. It's a pick'em game. It's a pick'em? Mm-hmm. <sighs> what do you think? I think Mississippi State might finish the season, what, 10-2? and two? You think so? Oh, I'm sorry. They play Alabama. My bad. 9-3. and three. <laughs> um, he, Here's the thing that I keep coming back to. It's, it feels like A&M's figured out some stuff. Um, that, that, that win, 1917, against Florida was not a good look at all. Um, I don't think someone loses his job. I also think Dan Mullen beats him this week. Yeah, and I mean they they put a beating on Kentucky last week, forty five seven, and Kentucky was just rolling. Right. For I mean, let's put that in perspective. Kentucky was rolling for Kentucky. So is it safe to say that right now Mississippi State is two thousand uh, eleven Georgia whipping up on teams they should and not and, and losing I to? Can't, I can't. Process I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what that means. Who would Will I pick? tried. He'd pick A&M. a m Definitely. Uh, Vanderbilt to South Carolina. The Gamecocks. I mean, they're, Vanderbilt's done. Oh, they just... They are bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. They, although, although, listen to me, Vandy people. Do us a solid. Beat South Carolina because, damn, would that be funny. That would be good. That would be good. Uh, Tennessee at Kentucky. I can't believe he's still there. I mean, they might as well just let him ride. I yeah, I think it, it feels like at this point they're just waiting for the the season to I mean, mercifully get sense over. To fire now, no, why would you? Why would you? It, it does. It, I mean, you've gone past what is likely to be the most two the two worst losses. Although you lose that way to Kentucky. Um, I mean, because they got Southern Miss after this. They got at Missouri, LSU, oh, uh, and then Vanderbilt. I think they lose to Kentucky. I think Kentucky wins this game. Yeah, I think they've come across the season. Like, even last week, everybody saw it. They got the pick six, and they got a, a guy trailing. didn't even do anything on the play, flipping off the Alabama fans. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, it's been 14 quarters since they scored an offensive touchdown. Yeah, yeah, against UMass, and they almost lost that game. They tried. They tried to lose that game. All right, yeah, I'm going to go with Kentucky as well. Will would pick Kentucky. Yes. I mean, there's no doubt. I think that's right. All right, throw in a little ACC game in here right before we get to the end. Georgia Tech at Clemson. I'm picking Clemson. I mean, it's going to be a weird game. Georgia Tech games are always weird. Um, 
they've had a week to stew on that loss to they have but I, I still think I think I think Clemson lights them up a little bit will doesn't know enough about Georgia Tech to pick them so he's gonna go with the front runner yeah Clemson. yeah uh, and then Georgia and Florida Georgia's it says here 14 and a half all right I, I need a pick and a score okay will would pick Georgia yeah right um, he would give some philosophical yeah let's assume blah 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 vamp 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 um, what do you think? I tell you what, Will and I have been pretty close actually on predictions all season for Georgia. Yeah. So this is a proxy pick for both Will and I. Um, I have this 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 week has vexed me. Um, I have followed the broken Georgia fan uh, down into the rabbit hole and back, and I've said all season that this is the game that if Georgia if if Georgia comes out and does this to Florida, does what they've been doing to teams to Florida. I will believe. So, I'm going to go on a limb and say Georgia wins 35 to 14. And one of the one of the Florida scores is a random kind of I can't believe not as close to the score. Not nearly as close to the score. I don't know whether it's a late touchdown against the third string or uh, an interception return, a fumble, something. But 35-14. Since the Samford game. The, well, basically, since SEC play, Georgia has increased its point total every game. Do it, do it, Scott. From thirty-one against Mississippi State to forty-one. Let the hate, let the hate flow over you, Scott. <laughs> they, then they hit a forty-five, a forty-fiver against Vanderbilt, and then dropped fifty-three. And they could have easily put up seventy. Make up for ninety-five, Scott. On Missouri, do it. Well, ninety-five was fifty-two. So um, I'm not going to go. That right, I think they're going to come back down a little bit. But you said what? 30, 35-14. 35-14. I'm going to say a real footballish number of 38 to 21. Oh. You know, All this week I've been thinking you were going with a good 53 just because of that. Uh, I mean, that would just be too pompous. and like I'd be playing podcasts right there. I'd but let, let, me t- let me tell you something. Kirby Smart has a point, a chance to put fifty three on them. He's going to put hey, fifty three on them. He's going to. He's going to. He's going to because he learned under Saban. First off, second off, he played against Florida. Third off, Kirby is a is a student of history, and if he learned anything, you get a chance to rub your biggest opponent's nose in it. You rub your biggest opponent's nose in it. Although I'll take three to two and be happy with it. No, I won't be happy with it, but I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, those are our picks. Um, what else do we have on here? Oh, we got oh, some trivia, don't we? I do have one trivia question. Okay, one. I tried to find more, but I figured you'd know all the answers to them, but you won't know. Gainesville. All the answers to this. That's one of the Santa answers. Fe. No, Gainesville oh. is. Um, but before I get to that, I would like to mention Georgia is playing a basketball game against Michigan State. This Sunday, yes, it's an exhibition that was just kind of randomly thrown on the schedule, which I think is cool because Deontay Mayton gets to play in his backyard. By the way, uh, Mayton was committed to Michigan State originally. Yeah, and so and it's going to benefit all the proceeds. are going to be the gate is going to be split evenly between Michigan State <laughs> and Georgia, and I guess somehow they're going to flow it to charities. That's going to help with the impact of Hurricane Irma. Actually, an interesting thing about that is that the, I talked about the Missouri Kansas game earlier. The reason that's a big deal is that. Uh, Missouri and Kansas, when Missouri left the Big 8, Big 12, whatever they are now, uh, Kansas famously said, we'll never play you again. 
in any athletics because they used to play. I mean, their basketball game was was really a big deal, but they used to play in football too, uh, obviously. And um, this this game was put together for charity. This game they played, so it's great that Georgia's playing a game for charity against Michigan State. It's a really good test of what Mark Fox's team is going to look like this year. And the thing I like about it is we're not playing some like you know the Phillips 76 All-Stars or whoever it is that used to come up in here and play when you and I were in school, where I was in school. Uh, when you were in school, it was, what, Enron? I don't know. Um, so that's uh, that's a pretty cool thing for those kids get to play against Michigan State because Michigan State has, I mean, look, Tom is a Hall of Fame coach and has his, his bona fides as far as being able to coach up players is impeccable. Um, so it should be a fun a fun night. Should be, should be. I was glad to see that. I mean, literally, it just happened. Yeah, just got put together. Yeah. I thought things like that had to get put together a long, and long time. It took a long time. Anyway, kudos to the Georgia and the Michigan State athletic department. Um, okay, so trivia, Georgia, Florida trivia. Yes, there have been five locations. Okay, that Georgia has played Florida. Can you name all five? All right, Jacksonville, obviously. Mm-hmm. Athens, Gainesville. Jacksonville, Athens, and Gainesville. There's two more. Macon. Is that your answer? Yes. Incorrect. Live Oak. <laughs> um, have we played in Atlanta before? Not, not according to where I found this. So okay. All right. G- give me, the, give me the other two. One's in Georgia. One's in Florida. Um, Savannah. That's right. I didn't know there was a stadium big enough, but that was a long time ago. Um, Florida. Did we play them somewhere weird like Orlando or West Palm or something? Tampa. We played them at Tampa? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what year, but oh, found it I'll on the dog. internet. So I, was, I, I, I was trying to decide between Macon and Savannah. but And before we get into podcast reviews, because we've got a couple. We Good. We didn't get the influxes. No questions? Did. Yeah. Well, no, we do. We Good. Do. I like questions. Uh, but I wanted to read a tale of the tape that I was able to screenshot from the SEC Network. A tale of the tape. These are the. This is a prominent head coach. Tale of the tape. Their last eleven games. Okay. Actually, two. It's two head coaches, but it's very similar. Okay. All right. So I want you to name the coaches. One loss record in the last eleven games. Six and five. Points per game in the last eleven games. One of them twenty nine point two. The other one twenty four point four. The turnover differential. Or the coach A, I guess you could say, is minus one. Coach B is minus five. Top 25 wins for coach A is one. And top 25 wins for coach B is also one. Can you name either one of these coaches? Are they SEC coaches? You need to get in the microphone. Are they SEC coaches? One of them is. All right. So... All right, so one of the coaches is Mark Stoops. No. Will Muschamp. No. I'm lost. But Jones is six and five. That doesn't seem right. He's coach A. Okay. So six and five, 29.2 points per game, turnover differential minus one, top 25 wins one, and it also says champion of life, yes. What's he? You didn't give me the, all, the, all the hints. I know, I know. So who is coach B? Also six and five record. Current SEC coach. No. Former uh, SEC coach. No, no, no. He's a current coach. Twenty four point four points per game, minus five turnover differential, 
in a in one top twenty five win. He's a five. he's a current coach. He's a current coach. I gotta show you, Pat Fitzgerald. I gotta show you. Show me, Jim. Harbaugh, the milk drinking, filet eating son of a bitch. He and he and Butch Jones have the same record. Here's the thing about Jim Harbaugh: it is a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak right now. It really is. Look, I, 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 I am not trying to. I'm not trying to be provocative when I say that. Jim Harbaugh is a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak. And he's not under fire to get. Fired. Well, no, well, no, because he is the savior of Michigan football. Uh, all with capital letters. How much would you enjoy if Michigan was in the SEC where you could just troll Michigan 365? What makes you think I don't? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not as fun. I mean, look, Michigan Look, Michigan fans are... Um, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting this. So Michigan fans are fun to troll in that they are... They still have hope for greatness, right? Here's the thing, and I had this discussion with somebody this week, that... How different is the Tennessee job than the Nebraska job? You can't recruit in state. How different? Similar. How different is it? I mean, it's, not. it's it, the, what the, used to be. The only difference is is that Nebraska's primary recruiting territory used to be the Upper Midwest and Texas. They still have the Upper Midwest. Once they went to the Big Ten, they lost Texas. So uh, Tennessee still has North Carolina. They still have. Some sort of connection to Atlanta, if you if you kind of will look at it that way. Although right now they're getting uh, pretty close to shut out between Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, and, and some other SEC schools. But what I mean, Butch Jones is going to get fired this year, and somebody said, "Well, they should bring Jim, James Franklin in." James Franklin's not going to leave Penn State for that job. Why would you leave Penn State for that job? I heard that somebody job- say T. Martin. Because he's the offensive coordinator. Oh, I have some Southern Cal fans that would yeah, would absolutely. absolutely take T. Martin right now, yeah. leaving Southern Cal. Oh, really? They hate him. Yeah. Hate him. Which is funny considering he was – You know, the Georgia Southern job is open now. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we need to talk about that. So a couple of predictions. Mm-hmm. Come January, Tyson Summers is on the staff at Georgia as some sort of consultant or maybe even a coordinator. If one of the coordinators. Or a coacher uh, or a defensive coach. Del McGee is head coach at George Southern. Really? Yeah. Well, he was the interim coach uh, oh, when right. when Willie Fritz left. Uh, and I've talked to some Southern friends who have been like, ah, we really want somebody that is a proven head coach. I mean, and I realize coaching in high school is different than coaching in college, but Del McGee was head coach at Columbus for a long time. Uh, Columbus Col- Carver. Columbus Carver. That's right. Um, so I can see him. I, and I Did can actually see. I assume he did. I remember I got really fired up with him because he famously banned Mark Rick from recruiting at Columbus Carver over uh, some miscommunication about one of his players' scholarship situation. Um, so, but I, I, it feels like if they don't go after somebody like Glass, uh, is it Gas or Glass at Jacksonville State? Um, yeah, I can I can see them going after Del McGee. All right. Uh, I got two podcast reviews. They're pretty long. I mean, wow. Thank you, guys. uh, They're five stars, right? They are. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the first one is from Pierce W. Five-star review. My favorite UGA football podcast. Hey, Tony. 
That's how it starts. Really? It starts, hey, Tony. <laughs> I thought it was going to be about Scott this time. Thank you. No. It validated me. I know. I, uh, I met you last year at Public Bar in D.C., and we watched a game together. Oh, cool, man. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. demand. That's what he says. Tony, Will, and Scott are great, and they complement each other well. I love listening to you guys, and sometimes I catch myself jumping into the conversation while I'm in the car by myself. This is my go-to UGA football podcast, and listen to every episode every week. Question. How long before Mel Tucker is taken away from us to coach somewhere, and where do you think he would end up? I'm surprised his name is never mentioned when it comes to possible head coach candidates at other schools. Bonus question. One of my favorite things to do when I talk to a Georgia fan for the first time is reminisce of times when Sanford Stadium was the loudest it's ever been. My first game was in 05, so I've heard it loud before, but I'm curious what you guys think is the loudest it's ever been that ever was. Sorry. The flea flicker against Mississippi State, Todd Gurley's kick return against Auburn in 2014, regardless of the flag, or Paul Oliver's pick in 06 to seal it against Tech are my three. What are yours? The second question is easiest. Second question, okay. LSU. Oh, was that three? I had to look. I don't remember. LSU at home. uh, I think it was 04. 04, that entire game. (laughs) That That was crazy loud. Yeah, I've got to say. That Although some some of the season's been really loud. Yeah, I've got to say Auburn blackout when they ran onto the field and nobody expected. Yeah. Because let, let me let me just indulge myself again. Nineteen or not not nineteen two thousand seven. It had been kind of, and this was this is what made it so magical. It had just kind of been slipped out a little bit. Like, hey, everybody wear black. We're like, cool. <clears throat> the players didn't know they had black jerseys. The fans didn't know they had black jerseys. Now all the fans wore black. And the coolest part was that Marcus Howard, and I remember Brandon Katu, they were captains, and they were out Changed. there, and they, they warmed up in red, and I saw when when they busted through that G, and the whole crowd realized that they were wearing black, and obviously the the athletic staff knew, because they changed the music, they started playing ACDC back in black, uh, No Sean was on that team, and then you see Marcus Howard and Brandon Katu pulling their red jerseys off like, with the running off the field. Yeah, super cool, loudest it's ever been in my opinion at the start of that game. And then Keelan Johnson goes and picks. Uh, was it Daniel Cobb? Was it Daniel eight, Cobb? eight, ten, twelve? It was somebody. Jason Campbell, maybe. No, it was somebody else that was uh, inept. But uh, it was a close. <laughs> Georgia won forty-five to twenty. Yeah, but it was close until the end. Yeah, uh, and then they pulled away in yeah. the third, fourth quarter. That was. That that would be my answer. Well, um, what was so, the first question? Uh, Mel Tucker. You know, the interesting thing is, is I, I would be surprised if Mel Tucker didn't get some looks. Um, I, it would be hard for me to see Mel Tucker um, not getting looks. I just it's hard for me to assess where he is, right? Because if you look at where he was before he went to Alabama, I mean, he was an NFL guy, mm-hmm. um, and recruiting is such a big deal in college. I could see him going somewhere, a, a smaller school. Um, it's not that he's a bad recruiter. It's just that there's a dynamicism, is that the right way of putting it, that I, I just don't know about for him. Right. So could I see him coaching somewhere? Is coaching somewhere. I mean, if you had to ask me, Pierce, I'd say he's coaching at Georgia next year, right? But will he get some looks? Yes. I just don't know where it'll be. Right. I, I have no idea. I can't yeah. answer that question. All right. Uh, the other review comes from MedDog84. Five-star review, a nostalgic throwback with a new edge. Dun-dun-dun. Wow, if those aren't seven words that really (laughs) paint the picture. Um, I was fortunate enough that my time in Athens coincided with our last coaching change. 
I saw firsthand all the excitement and anticipation of those first years with Rick at the helm. My friends and I were there for the hobnail boot, Green to Johnson versus Auburn, and Pollock strip sack touchdown versus South Carolina. The energy on campus was crackling every single. Is this guy? Is this guy a writer? Yes, I think he's a I don't know. medical doctor. He probably wrote some. Med- anyway, um, I spent four and a half years in Athens, and it broke my heart to leave. Those years are some of the fondest memories I have, and I still and still some of the best friends I've ever had. I think that I think that's the thing I connect most with about your show: the chemistry that your crew has, coupled with the philosophical gridiron. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> coupled with the philosophical gridiron exchanges, puts me right back on the front porch of our old house right next to Sanford Stadium on a cool Saturday morning in the fall. I need to have some like music playing underneath this. Uh, drinking cheap beer and already brimming with excitement for the day's contest. You guys have captured lightning in a bottle and harnessed the essence of that feeling better than any other show, podcast, pregame, I've ever seen or heard. More than once, your show has provided the impetus. Well, there's a Will Leach word. And the impetus for me to call Okay, Google, old- look up impetus. Hold on. I'm only on page two. Uh, More than once, (laughs) your show has provided the impetus for me to call up an old friend and talk some football and rehash old memories from that special time we had in one of the most special places on earth. As I get older, 37 now, those friendships and those memories become more and more valuable and the effort to maintain both of them becomes more deliberate. Thank you for not only giving great insight and commentary, but for giving myself and those old friends a whiff of those a whiff of those incredible days gone by and all the incredible ones to come. Wow. Her question just basically, you know, like what John Steinbeck, you know, writing about our podcast. Yes. Well, thank you. Or I'm sorry. Will Leach is a published author. It was like Will Leach writing an article on sports on earth. About that was, that was really impressive. Thank you very much. I'm going to look up the word impetus because I've heard it, but I don't exactly. It know. doesn't mean lack of performance. Okay. So thank you, MedDog84. And thank you to everybody who has written us a podcast review. Spectacular. Um, We have 79 reviews. Do we really? We have 78 of them are five star and then we have one one star. Yeah, because, yeah, somebody Uh, got mad. If if y'all are, I'm not going to rehash the story. If y'all want to go look at the one star review on on Apple uh, Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you call it, go look at it. It's pretty funny. Yeah, And then go listen to the show that we did earlier this winter. Or earlier this year after the national championship game, and you'll hear Will Leach in his finest. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Will, Will is at the World Series, uh, or will be. Um, I guess it starts tonight, right? So, sure. yeah, let's go with that. Um, but Will, uh, as a part of his day job, does, he does uh, have a sexy day job like Scott or I. He has to actually go to sporting events and write about them. So um, it's just Scott and I. And it could be Scott and I as much as the South Carolina preview, although and we handled it well. I, although I will say that, uh, that we miss Will. We do. And we do. Uh, wish he were here. By the way, everybody that's going to Florida, if you uh, you happen to run into me, uh, I appreciate you listening. Uh, I will be loud, and I will be loud early because that's what I do in Jacksonville. And that's what you should be. As you should do. So what do you think? I think we should end it. And this time, I'm actually going to say it. I'm going to say go dogs. Go dogs. 
Thanks so much for listening. Feel free to tweet our show at WSLS Podcast. You can also ask us a question or leave a comment. We try to be as interactive as possible because without you listening, it would just be three guys talking to a microphone. Well, I guess it's always three guys talking to a microphone, but you get the idea. While we're on the topic of being interactive, if you have an iPhone or know someone with an iPhone, we'd love it if you would leave us a rating and review and ask us questions as well. Safe to say that Tony, Will, and I look forward to the reviews and the questions part of the show each and every week and greatly appreciate y'all's feedback. So safe travels to all of you rolling down to St. Simons, Amelia Island, Jacksonville, and all points in between. We will be back on Monday with our Georgia-Florida postgame show, and we will see you on campus next week for the 3.30 CBS kickoff versus the Gamecocks. Go dogs! Thank you.